The holiday of the seventh day of Passover is upon us, and all around the world, Jews will be celebrating the fact that God split the sea and led the Jewish people through, leaving Egypt towards the promised land. I'm Rabbi Yitzwine, and welcome to the Life is Great podcast. It's a great story, but the question is, what does it mean for you? How, why is this even relevant today? This is an event that if you believe in the Bible, you believe in the Torah, it happened over 3,300 years ago. Yet we have an entire holiday that is dedicated specifically to the event of the splitting of the sea. So it's quite remarkable. I want to share with you five things. Maybe I'll throw in a bonus at the end. But I want to give you five reasons why if you think about this event and you connect with it on some kind of intellectual and spiritual level, it will help you make your life great. So number one, let's talk about it. First thing is, remember the story. The Jewish people, after a series of 10 plagues that decimated Egypt, so the Jewish people are now, they, they were leaving and they came up against the sea. And you just, I had this vision of, you know, from the movie, The Ten Commandments, you know, it's kind of stuck in my head. No matter how many times I read the Torah, this is what I'm thinking about. Anyway, they're, they're sitting there at the sea. The sea is raging and the uh, Egypt, the Egypt's finest, you know, the, the, the Egyptian chariots are coming led by Pharaoh and they want to decimate every last man, woman and child, the Jewish people. And the Jews are scared. They're scared. They don't know what to do. Moses is praying and he's asking God for help. Some Jews are saying, let's go back to Egypt. Some Jews are saying, let's go in the sea. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, enough is enough. Stop praying. Now is the time for action. Well, what, what event happened? The sea split. And I think the first thing we have to take notice of is that this is a, an absolute change of nature and that God manipulates the forces of nature. You know, the, the Talmud explains that every body of water, even if you were holding a cup of water, at the moment where the sea split, even the, the water split in that cup, right? So that, that's a little piece of Talmudic midrashim going on, or you know, a Jewish legend. So God changes nature. And if we can recognize that such a thing is possible, so not only will you hold on for dear life, you know, rooting for your favorite hockey team as their playoff hopes are about to expire, you know, <laughs> through the end, as the end of the game comes in and you'll be praying, saying, oh, God, change nature and help them score five goals in 30 seconds. You know, it's not really about that as much as it's about understanding that whatever situation you feel you are in now, with the Almighty's help, it can change and change very quickly. And a lot of people feel trapped in a situation. They're, they might be trapped in a marriage. They may be trapped in, in, a, in a work situation, a financial uh, predicament, or, or maybe, it, maybe it's, a, it's something going on with their health or the health of a loved one. Knowing that God can manipulate the forces of nature so that whatever is going on right now can change on a dime, that is something that brings hope and confidence into a person's life. And uh, now we have to just figure out how you effectuate God's involvement in your life on such a, such a literally miraculous uh, degree. So this leads us to point number two. When God told Mo Moses, hey, listen, enough praying. It's time for action. So there was one particular person, Nachshon ben Aminadav, and he was the prince of the tribe of 
Judah. And he said, okay, I'm going in the sea. I'm going to cause this thing to split. And he walked in, put in his big toe, nothing happened. Started walking in, he's up to his waist, nothing happened. He gets up to his neck, perhaps up to his nose, and then boom, the sea splits. And the second message over here for us is that if you want to effectuate God's involvement in your life, you have to show dedication. It's not enough to talk about, I'm dedicated. It's not enough to, to say, oh, you know, I really believe in this and this is something I want. But ultimately, the Almighty is, is judging our actions. So if you're a person that really wants to be successful in business, it's great to say that. But if you're not working hard to become the most knowledgeable person, you know, in your position, in your company, in your industry, and then, you know, doing, putting that knowledge into practice and putting in the amount of time and effort that is required for success, plus a little more, which is often required for slightly miraculous success. So if, if you're not doing that, as we say, talk is cheap. You have to put it into action. And it, it, it goes in every area in our lives. You know, it's, it's a person wants a, a good relationship with their spouse or their children. So they have to say, you know, what does that mean? What do, what do I have to do in order to enhance that relationship? I have to learn about it. And then I have to take what I learned and put it into practice. You know, one time I'm counseling a fellow and, you know, he says, Rabbi, I know everything I need to do to have a good marriage. I just don't want to do it. I mean, at that moment, I, you know, I, I kind of applauded him. Like, way to go. Thank you for being honest. So now don't, don't say you want to have a good marriage and you're a failure. Say, you don't want to have a good marriage. Just be honest. You know, sometimes you meet people and they, they're perpetually single and, and they're nice. You know, they're attractive and likable, got their stuff together. And they're just not meeting the right person. And you say, hey, listen, you know, what do you, you want to get married? And they go, oh, yeah, I definitely want to get married. You know, so well, what are you doing about that? Like, are, are you meeting people? Are you telling people that you want to get married? Are you praying that you want to get married? Are you going online, you know, like you know, to different dating websites? There are so many avenues of, of, of natural efforts that brings about God's goodness in an unnatural way. But if we're not engaged in that effort, then that would be like Nachshon sitting on the seashore and saying, okay, God, split, you know, split. Split. Why isn't the sea splitting? What's going on? In other words, you have to do the effort. You got to you got to put forth your effort. So the the next thing is that how it split. So when the sea split, our tradition is that it actually split into twelve sections, one for every tribe. And I really love this piece of Talmud, and the reason is because you know so often we get wrapped up in this issue. Oh, you know we're Jews. Can't we all just get along? Maybe we should all just be the same. And the answer is no, no, and no. No, we can't all get along. No, we can't all be the same. And no, you know, like stop whining about it. Then really the thing is that, you know, Jews inherently are schismatic. You know, that we we were we were born literally in 12 tribes, separate, with different talents, different attributes and different uh, different deficiencies. The key is not to be like everybody else. It's to know, in a sense, not only on a national level, but on an individual level, what do I bring to the table? How am I different? How, what, do I, what are my talents and what are my personal deficiencies? And understanding that it's okay to be different. And you know what? It's okay to understand that 
that there will be tension between different groups of Jews. The tension is not the problem. The problem is when we succumb to the desires to create greater tension and greater schism. That's the problem. So that whereas the Jewish people, when we went into the sea, we went through 12 different tunnels, which should also teach us about deliverance. There's, there's different ways of deliverance for every person. You know, my path of success and deliverance and salvation, so to speak, is not necessarily your path. So we all go, we're all different. At the end, when we stand in front of the Torah, you know, to receive the Torah on Mount Sinai, the Talmud says that we were like one man with one heart. Then there was complete unity. For the most important things, there's complete unity. But to begin, this idea of our own salvation, our own, that we are different. You know what? The path for everyone is different. You know, so my Rebbe Rav Noah Weinberg used to say a great thing. He used to say, you know, you look at every person's face. So everyone has two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two ears, you know. Yet somehow we all look different. So that's the way it is. We're all Jews, but we're all different. We all have something different to, to, to say and different, different, a different thing that's going to ring our heart. Which, by the way, that's why it says there's Shiva Panim ala Torah. There's, there's 70 faces to Torah. So when you learn, you know, like, I, I hope you love this Life is Great podcast and you learn it and you share it and you, you know, we want you to do that. That's, that's awesome. You'll help people. You, people will love you when you share this podcast. They will. They'll appreciate you more. But, but I, as a rabbi, I appeal to certain souls and there are other rabbis that appeal to other souls. I love rabbis because I never feel that rabbi is competition because every soul finds its rabbi. And, and every that, that's, again, one of the messages that there's 12 different tunnels. Everyone's got a different way. So we all look the same, but there are, there are universals. What it would be a universal? Well, the universal that we all know is no, none of us want to be mediocre. None of us want to be, uh, none of us really want to be just like blah, okay in life. You know, all of us want to a, a sense of greatness. All of us want to a sense of achievement. Um, you know, we all want to be loved. Yeah, the, the, there are certain things about life that just that, that are all normal. A universal is the Torah's map for us. Is is it's a universal map for greatness and satisfaction in life. The six hundred thirteen commandments in the Torah are a way are everybody's way to achieve their ultimate potential, to, to achieve pleasure in this world. And I say 613, and I see everybody, Jews and non-Jews included, that that it's, you know, there are, there are commandments for, for Jews and there's commandments for non-Jews. And God's commandments are there to help everyone achieve a sense of a deep pleasure in life. That's what it's about. Okay, so then an interesting thing to note brings us to number four. Number four is that after the sea closed up, so um, the Egyptians were about to go in and, uh, you know, the, the Jews made it onto the other side. Now the Egyptians are about to follow in. But there were two guys and these guys are not good guys. They're Dasan and Aviram. They were taskmasters, uh, taskmasters uh, and the Jewish people. They caused the Jews, you know, they're the, they're the ones who are, who are whipping the Jews, you know, make more, make more bricks without straw. And... Um, they were not good guys and they bet on the wrong horse. They did not go through with the Jews. And when they realized what had happened, they had a moment of tshuva. 
they had a moment of, of repentance. And then God split the sea again, just for these two guys. What's amazing about this, by the way, is not only were they horrible people in Egypt, but they did tshuva. God split the sea. They go through the sea. Then God closes up the sea and the Egyptians go in and, you know, takes care of the Egyptians. Later on, Dustin and Aviram, they are the two people who lead that small portion of Jews to worship the golden calf. So they, they, they continued to cause the Jews trouble. You know, they were not, they were not terrific for anyone. But uh, what happened was um, the message for us is that God sees if we have a moment of tshuva, a moment where of repentance, of, of regrets, and where I want to be better, he's saying, okay, come back in the Jewish people. The Almighty doesn't close the door and lock it permanently. If our hearts want to come back to the Jewish people, that door, the Almighty is willing, willing to kick it open and literally resplit the sea again just for us. And, you know, everybody's got a time when they feel really close and they feel a little further away, they feel close, they feel further away. It's a process. Spiritual growth is a process. And um, don't fight it. Ride with it. Just know that, that the door can be open for you. And you are probably way more worthy than a guy like Dasan or Aviram because they were creeps. So that's the story with them. And um, the final point I'd like to bring up about the splitting of the sea that's going to help make your life great is um, when the Jews did finish it, uh, finished the whole, the whole thing, they're on one side, and then God opened up the sea again. The Egyptians went in after the Jews, and then God closed up the sea. And then all the Egyptians, they washed up on the seashore. Now, again, it is an interesting point to note how some of these Jews, the, the Egyptians died. You know, we we know that they, you know, some of them yeah, sunk to the bottom. If they were, if they were a good evil person, meaning they only they hated the Jews, but they didn't cause us to suffer so much, they would die quickly, drop down to the bottom like a stone. But if God wanted to, if some people made the Jews suffer, and and the Almighty made them suffer, you know, bobbing up and down, a slow drowning, that kind of stuff. But eventually, they all wash up on the seashore, and the Jews sing a song. The, the men sing and the women, they it says that Miriam gathered her tambourines and danced with the women. And the reason they danced, the reason the Jews danced was because they saw justice in the, this world. It was a moment where they saw the exact people who, who tortured them day and night, where they recognized that oh, that person died. And that was the real emotional freeing moment of the Jews. And that is why we celebrate it as a Yom Tov, as a holiday, because we noticed there was a, there was a moment of justice. And, and, Listen, we all know that there's a lot of injustice in this world. You know, um, you know, we all see good people and sometimes we people who appear really good and just and bad things seem to happen to them. And we see that sometimes, you know, people that are creepy and horrible and sometimes they seem to get away with literally murder and it bothers us. And I, I think that one of the one of the reasons that I believe in such strong passion of life in the world to come is because really I think you need a thing called heaven and hell in order to, to settle the score. That in this world, there is a lot of injustice. But at this particular moment for the Jewish people, they saw pure justice and that gave them hope. It, it allowed them to, to, to walk away, you know, to, that was literally closure, literally. Like when the sea closed, that gave the Jews closure on leaving Egypt. They could, they could sleep at night. They were not afraid that their taskmaster was going to come after them anymore. So when they recognized that, they said, oh, thank God, we're out of here. And uh, 
and now we can sleep at night. So, so the, the record, and that's that what brought that's what brought them so much joy. So, so we should look back at this and recognize that yes, you know, there was there was uh, God meted out His justice measure for measure. You know, it really was what goes around comes around. They they caused the Jews to suffer. They suffered themselves. They murdered Jews. They were murdered themselves. And um, and and the Jews saw that. So we should recognize there's an element of justice in this world. It's not pure justice. That's why we need heaven and hell uh, to uh, life in the world to come, which we'll talk about at a, at a later time. But um, but the the main thing is is to focus and rejoice. Look for the justice in this world and rejoice over it. All right, listen. I'm Rabbi Yitzwine. I want to thank you for being part of the Life Is Great podcast. I want to invite you to um, to uh, correspond with me. You, uh, my email is Rabbi Yitzwine at Gmail. Uh, R a b b i y i t z w y n e at gmail.com. Also, you can go on the, my YouTube channel, my Yitzwine YouTube channel, and if you're ever in Las Vegas, swing on by. Uh, young Israel Aish, and we for sure will make you feel very, very at home. And uh, of course, you can always leave a voice message on Anchor, send me your questions, and I will definitely address them in future episodes.